You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Fact. Bears eat beets. Bears. Beets. Battlestar Galactica. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Finally, 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 we have news, and the news pertains to the NFL. I'm so happy about that. I mean, it always did, but you, you know what I'm talking about. Cuts and trades. I mean... The NFL is coming out with their top 100 list. It's horrible, and I don't even have to acknowledge it. I'm so, so tired of that. This this offseason has been especially painful. People are so bored, they made a decision that this year, because I'm so bored, I'm going to do a terrible job of everything that I do, just to see how it feels, just to see what it's like. Because I want to try something new. I need to I need to explore life a bit. Everybody feels trapped in a box, so they're like, I need to be outside the box, and outside reality. So I, I started seeing some stuff, had somebody send me a tweet, I saw it this morning. Frank Clark, a guy that on this show I have several times said is massively overrated and is not actually that good, of course made the top 100 list. So that annoyed me, but I understand it, he's a big name. Then I see somebody else talking about Josh Allen, and it's like, alright, you know what? Nope, not doing it. I'm not doing this. So instead, we're going to look at everything else. Because guess what? Football's starting. That's part of the news. Not that it ever wasn't going to start. I've been saying since the beginning, the NFL is not going to let this not happen. They have been very forceful. It's, it it's doesn't seem reminiscent of when all the other teams had shut down. And the NFL probably would have too if they were playing back then. But just the attitude and the tone. You know, ownership in the NBA especially was very, like, I don't want to rock the boat, whatever you say. Just different mentality. Whereas Roger Goodell is like, just shut your mouth and do what you're told. He's, he's a different breed. I'm not going to say he's not worried about outside influence and what people think, because everybody is. It's one of the worst parts about our society today is when, you know, w- when something happens, everybody has to pretend to be in line with it. Otherwise, you know, we're scared of repercussions, whether it's financial or legal. And so we got to watch months and months and months of capitulation, and it just gets really old. But fortunately for all of us, the NFL has at least driven a line... Uh, in the sand insofar as we will be having a season. What it looks like, I don't know, but it's happening. They're playing, we're making money, you're watching football, and I appreciate that. Thank you for making that decision. So, of the changes within this agreement, obviously we've already talked about there's an 80-man roster. I want to talk about that, although we already did lose one player, which is unfortunate. I got my video done. I've got a YouTube video spelling out who I think my 10 are going to be. I I have it scheduled to release at 7 because I wanted it to come out early, and then they already cut a player. Now, I don't want to say that I'm happy. Let's start there. I would never say that I'm happy that a person got cut. Vindicated, of course. 
for for those of you that have been keeping score for a while, I think maybe my least favorite college player of all time is Gerald Willis. And it's 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 not it doesn't have anything to do with Gerald Willis, and it's unfair. But anytime, again, if you know me, everybody is saying a thing and that thing is wrong, I can't not lose my mind. And Gerald Willis was the epitome of that. He was considered a second-round pick by a lot of people, and I'm just going through watching, and I don't know anything. I'm not a scout. And that's part of what makes the NFL draft fun, because there's certain things that are that are on film that I'm just not seeing, and then I get to rant and rave about it, and I'm either right or I'm wrong. And Gerald Willis is one of those occasions where I was absolutely correct. All the analysts told me how great he was, how athletic he was. He's a second-round pick, maybe a third-round pick. And I'm watching the guy, and I'm thinking, I, I don't see any redeemable attributes whatsoever in Gerald Willis. He ends up going undrafted, and everybody lost their mind. How could this happen? And then the Packers pick him up, and I'm not happy. I mean, I don't really care because it's just it's not a thing, but it's like, you know, the one guy, the one guy that I've spent all this time saying I don't want, and the Packers pick him up. And everyone had a little, you know, people that remembered had a little bit of a chuckle. Hey, they picked up your boy. The first guy cut, as far as I know, the only Green Bay Packer cut, the only guy they've come to the decision is definitely off the list, which out of 90 people on their roster apparently was number 90, Gerald Willis got cut. And so I'm not happy for Gerald Willis because, again, I don't have anything against him, and I hope he has a great career and proves me wrong and all that stuff. I want everybody to be happy and healthy and make a billion dollars, all that. But I have been yet again vindicated in my assessment, that Gerald Willis was never a second-round pick, or a third-round pick, or a fourth-round pick. He was a defensive tackle that ran around with a chicken, like a chicken with his head cut off, that showed quote-unquote athleticism by running in circles, but not actually ever doing anything. But uh, but anyways, that's that's one of the, and I didn't put him on the list, because I just, I didn't think he was number 90 out of 90. I figured they'd want to at least take a look at him. Apparently I'm wrong. 0 for 1 so far. We'll see if I can get 1 or 2 right. But again, uh, Pack Daddy NFL is my YouTube channel. You can check that out there. I'll, I'll, I don't know if I'm... I, don't, I, I won't. I'm not going to talk about that today, unless I just run out of things to talk about, which seems unlikely because I'm feeling particularly ranty today, except my tongue doesn't work, and I can't say tongue twisters fast. Particularly. Particularly. Tickly. Um, I'm just going to cut it down to tickly. I ain't feeling tickly uh, talkative today. That would be... Hilarious if some people just shortened it to say tickly and how confused some people would be. I ain't feeling tickly uh, good about it. Excuse me, you're, you're, you're tickly or what did you say, Jed? Anyways, so Gerald Willis, we'll uh, have, a, have a drink to that. Oh yeah. Can I just pause for a second and say how happy it is? To, I feel like I haven't done this podcast in six months. I have set 2 a.m. alarm clocks. This is going to be a brutal week, because usually this is when I catch up on my sleep. I have set alarm clocks for 2 o'clock in the morning on Saturday and Sunday to get these YouTube videos done. I have done so much work for YouTube that I feel like I haven't done this in six... It just feels good to be back in the saddle. Technically the exact same saddle I did to do the YouTube videos, but still. I'm home. But anyways, they got to get down to their 80-man roster by August 16th, so they actually have a long time. So there is no rush. Although some teams are already down to 80 which I don't really understand if you have the opportunity to get people in and just make sure medically everything's good. And I mean, anything could come up. You can make a list of, of 10 people and just kind of... Unless you are genuinely really scared of COVID, in which case cut 10 quickly before they show up because it's 10 less people that can possibly infect your team or whatever, I don't know. But from a strictly NFL evaluation standpoint, evaluation is going to be really tough 
it, you would, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why people do what they do. I'm just, I'm just saying, I don't know. I don't own a team. What do I know? I'm just drinking cold instant coffee out of a Kern mason jar. I, I know nothing. I don't even know how to do life properly, so don't listen to me. Um, the salary cap is officially set at $175 million for next year. Now, there's a massive difference depending on who you listen to. Um, Ken Ingalls says we are, he is, um, if you don't know who he is, he's on Twitter. I don't know if he's anywhere else, but he's sort of the unofficial Green Bay Packers salary cap guy. He has the Packers in the positive. I want to say seven or eight million. I could look it up, but I, you know, we got to get rocking here. If you go to Spot Tracker over the cap, they have us like fourteen million under, or excuse me, over what, whatever, negative, negative monies. And so, um, I, I couldn't in that short period of time figure out where the difference was coming from. Maybe it was carryover, but I couldn't really see that in there, and the math didn't really line up with how the carryover would make that big of a difference. It wouldn't, actually, because we're talking about like a $21 million difference, and the Packers currently do not have $21 million. But it's going to make things pretty interesting. I don't have everything necessarily mapped out in terms of evaluating what that means. I think getting an official handle on what the salary cap is going to look like for the Packers is going to help. However, um, I think it hastens some of the things that I've already talked about in terms of pushing players out, particularly players who have younger players under them. The number one person that comes to mind is Preston Smith. Rashawn Gary was a early first-round pick. I don't see any way in the world, even if Rashawn doesn't have that good of a year, in which the Packers don't just say, guess what, we drafted you to be the guy, you're going to be the guy. Even if you can't be the guy, oh well, that's our mistake. But we're not going to draft a guy early and pay Zadarius and pay Preston and leave leave our early first-round pick sit on the bench because he's just not good enough. Not going to happen. It's not. I, I don't see a scenario in which uh, Preston Smith is playing for the Green Bay Packers in 2021. That There was a slight scenario prior to coronavirus and the, the salary cap falling to $175 million. There was a scenario. I don't see a scenario now. And, and ultimately, the the pay for Preston Smith was $16 million in 2021. We're going to have to eat $8 million of that, which is somewhat painful. But rather than paying $16 million and then $16.5 million in 2022, we pay $8 million in 2021 and zero in 2022. We need that money. So in my mind, he's gone. It's just, it's not even a question. And although it's going to be even more painful if he replicates what he did last year which I doubt because the numbers are it, it's it's similar to Kyler Fackrell and I'm not saying he's as bad as Kyler Fackrell but that's not Preston Preston is not a 12 sack guy but if he does that again here's the other thing to consider we don't have to cut him we can trade him and we can trade him as early as you know after this season if we can find a trade partner but think about that and what that could mean for draft compensation and what could, that could mean for the 2021 NFL draft I don't know what you get for a guy like that, but if he's got back-to-back um, double-digit sack seasons, I mean, you're, you're, you're not giving up a six-round pick for him. Adam Shaheen gave back a six-round pick for the Chicago Bears. Now I'm dipping into the news, which is supposed to be a separate thing, but what, what, what is Preston? What is the compensation? I mean, it could, it could be a, a player trade. I'm trying to look at some other trades. Olivier Vernon, for example, who I don't think is is quite as good, especially if we're talking, again, back-to-back double-digit sack seasons, but Olivier Vernon got back Kevin Zeitler, who's a very good offensive lineman. I think Olivier Vernon is also older, and you do have to factor in there is a $16 million contract attached to um, 
Preston, which is going to lower what he gets in return. But how much of an impact did that have on Khalil Mack? Not saying that he's anywhere near Khalil Mack's level, but the Bears paid Khalil Mack and gave up, you know, two first-round picks, a third and a sixth, and got back a second and a seventh. So whatever, they, they gave up two firsts or something. It's something It's something to consider. But again, I, I don't see, and that's just one guy. I, I, that's not what we're talking about today necessarily. We'll look at that a little bit more in depth another time. But just considering the, the Packers cannot afford to keep everybody, and we're, we have to start paying people, right? Kenny's got to get paid. Bakhtiari maybe, let's say hopefully, is going to get paid. Corey Lindsley, I just don't see a scenario in which he gets paid. Just There's just no way. Aaron Jones seems increasingly unlikely, right? Again, we drafted A.J. Dillon. It would be nice to have them as a tandem, but if A.J. Dillon is the workhorse back and Aaron Jones is relegated to, you know, eight carries and being more of a receiving back, are we paying him $12 million a year for that? Of course not. And why would he stay here and take a lesser um, contract for a lesser role when he can go somewhere else? And again, how much more everybody gets is a big question mark because where's he going to go? Everybody's negative, with the exception of a handful of teams who are carrying over like $100 million. Apparently, maybe just all the talent floods to those teams. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. In terms of teams that have enough money to actually pay for people, according to Track, which again has us negative right now, I'm looking at about 11 teams that can afford to pay anybody because the 12th team right now is the New York Giants are under $12 million. Now, you can pay for somebody. But you're not signing superstars with with 11.7 million dollars, and so you've got teams like the Colts with 73 million. Uh, and it, I'm talking about after all of this, you got the New England Patriots with 52 million, the Chargers with 46, Jaguars 48, Bengals 39, uh, Washington 28, Seattle 27, Cardinals 21, right? And then you get under 20 after that. Nine is 16. Tampa is 16. The Ravens are 22. I don't know why this isn't in order, but whatever. But that's it. There, I ordered it. So teams uh, 19 through 32 right now, according to Track, which again, maybe is incorrect, are all negative. There are nine teams, nine over $20 million. Colts, Patriots, Jaguars, Chargers, Bengals, Washington, Seattle, uh, Baltimore, and uh, the Cardinals. Only five teams really have serious money, you know, over, over uh, like 30 and I don't know their situations in terms of who they need to be, uh, you know, paying. The Colts obviously have a good amount of superstars, so that may be coming down quite a bit. The Patriots don't have anybody. I guess I shouldn't say that. They do have some some stars they may have to pay. But, um, I, yeah, I, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how this is and, and to at least keep an eye on it. What are teams going to be doing? The Philadelphia Eagles, according to this, are $93 million in the neg- in the red. Negative. How do you navigate negative 93 million? I mean, even even if you take away the negative 25 million, you, you were still, what, 70-some million? Ne- How is this positive, possible? They have 12 players over $10 million. That's that's insane. Obviously, most of these guys are getting cut. This, this You want to talk about an all-in year. The Eagles better figure it out this year. No wonder they drafted a quarterback in the second round. Maybe that's what this is about. Holy cow, 35 million for Wentz. 22 and a half for Fletcher Cox, 18 million for Alshon Jeffrey. Ugh. 18 for Brandon Graham, 16 and a half for Lane Johnson. Almost 16 for Darius Slay. Ouch. Sorry. I I'm I'm getting I know this is a Packers podcast. I'm just I'm just poking around. I, like I said, I haven't really poked into this yet to kind of really navigate it cuz that's not what we're talking about today, but I'm just kind of stunned. It's just I don't know. It's bad, but it's kind of exciting to look at because it's like, what what do you do now? 
And this is when great GMs thrive, by the way, in chaos. Right? There's no roadmap for this. But anyways, I, I don't know exactly what that means for the Packers. Again, lots of guys are not going to get re-signed. Probably a handful of guys are going to be let go early, like Preston, like Aaron Jones. Actually, not Aaron Jones, because he's a free agent. Um, ideally, Billy Turner, to be completely honest. He's only making $8 million, but he's not worth it. Christian Kirksey's going to be about $8 million bucks. We don't have a whole lot of great options, but we can save $6 million right there. Uh, Rick Wagner, I don't know if we're going to have a solution, but that would save almost $4 million. And no, Aaron Rodgers is not an option. We would only save about $5 million by cutting Aaron Rodgers. I guess I shouldn't say it's not an option, but we would pay $31.5 million to not have Aaron Rodgers, $36.3 million to have Aaron Rodgers. 2022 is a different conversation, but that's that's not really much of a solution for 2021. There's also restructuring, as I've said. Uh, Devontae Adams, I think, would be a prime candidate for that. We're going to pay Devontae this year $16.6 million, unless the Packers aren't sure they're going to hang on to him. Um, I mean, he's 27 years old. His contract runs out when he's 28 years old. I mean, he, when he, technically when he's 29. I'm assuming they're not planning on moving on from him. So if he's going to get a contract, now would be a good time when you're desperate for money because then you get to restructure his contract. You drop his $16 million down to, like, I don't know, $5 million. It's going to be a big contract, but you push the money back out. And, and again, remember, the salary cap is going to go through the roof once this thing is all done. So pushing money out is generally not that good of a strategy. It, it's not bad as long as you're, you're pushing it out in a way that it doesn't, spike outside of the growth of the salary cap and so uh, one of the things that I think makes a lot of sense if you think about the salary cap in terms of what it's going to look like on a on a graph usually it's relatively linear somewhat of a exponential curve this is like a compressed almost like a hockey stick kind of thing because it got compressed because of coronavirus so it's going to be a flattened growth right it's going to be slower growth and then after you know a few years it's going to spike back up now i know this is spread out over the next four years which it's hard to push a contract out four years you're probably not even going to sign them for four years but i don't know exactly how it's structured to be spread out i don't exactly know how that works and by the way if this continues into next year the 2021 nfl season we're in a lot of trouble because we just spread out one year's hit over four years, and it's going to hurt for four years. If this happens again, it's just, I don't I don't know what we do. Some, some irreparable damage is going to be done. But we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But again, I, I do think that is an option, and it would be easier to say if I knew how, you know, what what is 2022's salary cap going to be? Are we going to be in the 200 range? Is it going to go from 175 to 180? I don't know, but I, I still restructuring these contacts, tracks, contracts is going to free up money this year. And I, I think even not even with a decrease, this is still a tough year financially. I've been talking about this for a while for Devonte, just for the simple matter of there's so many contracts and we need a lot of money. But anyways, it'll be interesting to see how everybody, especially the Packers, obviously navigate this this crazy nonsense. Um, there is an opt-out if anybody doesn't want to play. There is one player for the Chiefs, uh, Devernay Tardif, whatever his name is, put out a statement, something to the effect of he doesn't want to be a part of the problem and spreading the disease, and so he's going to stay out there and uh, help treat it. He is a medical doctor, so he will not be playing. There is a $350,000 um, stipend, I guess. I don't know, that, that you get paid. Not a bad deal. Like, hey, if you don't show up, I'm taking your salary away, and you're only getting three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. 
to not show up to work. Take that. Actually, that's not true. That's those that's at-risk players. One hundred and fifty thousand for opting out, which, I mean, that's I mean that's clearly a massive hit, but still, it's a, it's a lot of money to not go to work. How nice would that be? And I, I listen. I'm not trying to. I know they have a shortened career and all that stuff. I'm just saying that's it's not a bad deal. Um, if you make the team and the season is canceled and there's no games played, you get three hundred thousand dollars. If the season is canceled before the cutdown day, players who were on the team in 2019 get 250k. There is also um, practice squads have been increased to 15 players, which is kind of just a loophole because obviously we have to cut down players, but yet you get to retain more players. Also, IR apparently is going to be unlimited, which I think is really smart because again, we we have to kind of get away from the whole protecting the integrity of the game thing. This isn't a full term like pers- uh, permanent thing we've got to just adapt and when you i mean you could have a team that has 20 25 and i mean it's, it's unlikely given all of the precautions but it's not impossible that somebody gets coronavirus they interact with the team you know somebody missed it or whatever and you've got 25 people that get infected what do you do well in that case you're going to need to be able to retain you you, you can't force a team to cut all these players right that doesn't make any sense well, you've only got a handful of IR spots. Figure it out. What are you going to designate them as? You know, or, or permanent IR or whatever. And so they, they made that unlimited for that reason. I don't know if there's a stipulation that, you know, there, there's only unlimited for coronavirus, which would make sense, or if they just did it flat out, I don't know. But bottom line is they reached an agreement. The players have agreed. They're going to show up to training camp. They're going to be playing. Everybody's happy. And so uh, football, here we come. And in terms of w- what does that mean for when these guys actually start practicing, um, everybody is scheduled to show up. And I don't know if this is different for the Packers or what, but the training camp date for all veteran players is scheduled for tomorrow. Obviously, some people have already shown up. Rookies, quarterbacks, injured players are allowed to report early. But the bottom line is by tomorrow, everybody needs to be there. The way that this lays out, day one, testing and virtual meeting. Day two and three, virtual meetings. Day four, testing and virtual meetings. Day five and six, they do physicals. Day seven through 15 is strength and conditioning. Day 16 is when practice starts. Meaning, 16 days after today is when practice starts. 21 days after today is when padded practice starts. So August 12th would be when the Green Bay Packers are going to be actually practicing. Now, I don't know what this means in terms of, because obviously there's no fans allowed to view any of this. I don't know if anything is going to be allowed to be recorded or if the media is going to be allowed around. I'm assuming they will be. Media's always had access, but who knows? I, you know, maybe they're going to say you got to stay out. Obviously, the reason I care is because I want information. I want to know how things are going. One of the exciting things during this time is getting the live updates. I mean, I'm, I'm at my computer taking notes on everything. You know, good catch by MVS from Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it, none of that stuff actually means anything in terms of how it translates, but it's still exciting to, to see, like, wow, this guy looks really good or this guy's really struggling or whatever. And so I'm hoping we get something to that effect. We, we probably won't be able to get as many updates because a lot of the updates come on Twitter from fans who are there. But, you know, hopefully some of the media members can fill in those those gaps and get us some kind of information. But then it would be Tuesday the 18th would be first padded practice. Again, that is pending, you know, any delays by the Packers, but I don't I don't know if they're even allowed to. I think that's just what it is, but I don't know. So we got a little bit more time yet, but the Green Bay Packers have touched down. They're in Green Bay. 
we're forging ahead. Now the other the other thing is there is has been a report of uh, I don't remember the exact number, 16-ish players have tested positive, and with everybody else showing up tomorrow, obviously there's expected to be um, a surge in cases. Which again, as I've said a thousand times, it's not actually a surge in cases; it's just a baseline. the The idea being after two weeks that number goes to zero, right? Ideally, because they're not going out and doing stuff, they're just kind of isolated in a COVID-free environment. And with uh, practice starting 16 days later, you should have practice with no no COVID. It's, it's, it's possible that there is some. If it keeps bouncing and spreading or whatever, you, you can't quite stop it. But whatever. Well, again, it'll be what it is. But that's my expectation. There will be a bunch of people who test positive. Two weeks, they won't be positive anymore. And uh, by the time practice starts, there won't be any. Oh, man, look at the time. Well, we, we got to take a break right here, I guess. I really thought we were just getting started. I was going to take a break and then start the show. We got a, I don't know, call an audible here. But why don't we take a break, and I want to talk about some of the other news that's been happening, and I guess we'll call it a day after that. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so I want to talk about three different news items. There was sort of a flurry of news, two different trades, and then uh, some Minnesota Vikings news. I guess we'll start there because that's probably the least interesting of all because we've also kind of talked about it already. But um, over the weekend, somebody had asked, is Dalvin Cook going to show up? And head coach Mike Zimmer said, yeah, he's going to show up. You know, from what I've heard, he's showing up. And the reporter followed up with, well, who did you hear that from? And he said, from Dalvin. Well, within about 24 hours, Dalvin Cook's agent comes out and says, excuse me, but Dalvin Cook did absolutely not talk to you about this because I've been talking to Dalvin and we've talked about not showing up. I mean, he didn't say that, but that's more or less what's implied. He wanted it known that, excuse me, we never said we're showing up. We didn't say that. And if the plan was to show up, it wouldn't make a lot of sense for his agent to come out and say, uh, no, we didn't say that. You just kind of leave it be. I mean, unless you're just a stickler for, uh, for the details, which I could understand. I'm kind of that way. Excuse me. Excuse me. No, we never said we're showing up. Well, are you showing up? Yes, but didn't say it. I mean, until now, this is the first time I didn't talk to him about it. And, and again, this is sort of a win-win for, for everybody, not the Packers. Dalvin Cook is not worth the money that he's going to get. If the Vikings pay him, they're going to overpay him. If they don't pay him, they lose him. And their running back group got a lot weaker. Because despite the fact that the guys that are behind Dalvin seem to do a fine job uh, running in that offense, Dalvin Cook provides a different dimension. Think back to playing the Vikings when the Packers' defense completely shut the Vikings down, with the exception of a handful of plays, one of them being like an 80-yard scamper for a touchdown. 
because Dalvin Cook has those kind of wheels. When he hits a hole that happens to be there and he takes off, he's got some serious speed. A lot of other guys would have gone down. So he provides a different dimension. Um, and, and again, that, that doesn't mean if Dalvin leaves, they can't run the ball because that's not true. The other guys they have are sufficient. But Dalvin should not be getting paid whatever it is he's expecting to get paid, whatever it is he wants to get paid. Again, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but it's something to the effect of the Vikings have played about 45, 48 games since he was drafted. He's played in about 29 of them. He's been injured almost 50% of the time, 50% of the games that the Vikings have played since they drafted him. Granted, he missed like an entire year, but still, he's had some serious injury problems. But it'll be very interesting, and especially in times like this. I mean, if there was ever a time where a team really did not want a player holding out, this is it. I just went through and, and listed off not, you know, how many teams are supposedly negative next year. Nobody's flush with cash, and nobody's in a position to be paying a bunch of money to running backs, especially this year or next year. Unless the Vikings want to you know, give him a, a new one-year contract for this year. Like, look, I can pay you a ton for this year and then, you know, nothing next year if that's what you would like. Obviously, that's not what he would like. I'm just saying, it, it's not possible. Now, the Vikings do tend to find a way to squeeze money out to overpay their guys, which I love, by the way. But, I don't know, again, it's a win-win. I, I think if I had my, my preference, it would be for Dalvin to leave. Just because, number one, he's good and I'd like him out. And number two, it would make Vikings fans sad, which would make me happy. And it makes the Vikings a little worse. I mean, it's just, it's all good. It's unfortunate that they do the big boy thing, the responsible thing, and, and protect their cap, which is going to help them in the long run. But in the immediate, it, it makes me smile. Um, in other news, the Chicago Bears have traded away Adam Shaheen. Bears fans are elated. I didn't realize how much they despised Adam Shaheen until he got traded. And all around the Bears... Twitter sphere and everything else. Oh, thank goodness we got rid of him. We actually got compensation. He's a bum, blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's it's fair to say that he's been well below expectations. It's also fair to say he's still arguably the best tight end they have on their team. So I'm still happy about it. I mean, great. I mean, it's pretty obvious they were planning to move on from him anyways. They drafted Cole Komet. They brought in Jimmy Grant. Those are going to be the, the one-two punch. Jimmy's probably going to be the top guy as much as, you know, I don't know how much you can expect production-wise from him. But you expect Jimmy to be the guy, and if Cole Komet can take over, then that's what he'll do. So there was never a place for Adam Shaheen, but still, I mean, just PFF-wise and everything else, despite the fact that Adam Shaheen has not been up to snuff, he's still grading out better than anybody else you've got. And from my perspective, he's the one guy I'm worried about. He's a talented football player. I mean, they had two talented tight ends that I was worried about, and they got rid of both of them. Trey Burton, um, who obviously has had injury issues, but, I mean, talented guy from Philadelphia. The Bears picked him up. It's kind of that oh-no moment. He doesn't do anything because he's hurt, and then they ship him off to the Colts. I think it's the Colts. And then Adam Shaheen is the only other guy that's relatively talented. They drafted him in the second round, and they shipped him off for a conditional sixth. I don't know what the conditions are. I've heard some Bears fans or whatever saying that they think if he does well, it could be more than a sixth, and... I've heard Dolphins fans saying it's it's at most a sixth if he performs, and if he doesn't make the team, they're not giving him any compensation. And it could be any spectrum within there. I don't exactly know how that, that, that works or if there's um, standard rules to conditional picks. But the bottom line is they had Trey Burton and Adam Shaheen. I was concerned about both of those tight ends, and now they're both gone, and replaced with Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet. The only guy that I'm concerned about now is Cole Komet, and I'm not all that concerned about it. I don't think he's that good. I know a lot of people are in love with him, say he's the next Jimmy Grant or the next uh, Rob Gronkowski or whatever. We'll see, but I don't know. Bears fans are excited. I'm fine with it. I think everybody's happy. 
Dolphins fans are excited they got him. Bears fans are excited he's gone. NFC North fan, Packers, Lions, Vikings fans are also excited he's gone. Not that you're scared of him, but, I mean, better off without him, right? What? No telling when this second-round pick is going to take off. I and mean, he's had injury issues, too. But whatever, they're going to give up on him, I guess. So, cool. Great bonus. Sign of things to come, hopefully, with Trubisky leaving. Because there is still a part of me that's worried that he's going to figure it out. I mean, very early first-round draft pick. He's got a lot of talent. I don't care if he figures it out, as long as he doesn't do it in Chicago, that's fine. He's got one more year to be terrible, and then the Bears can cut him, and then I don't have to worry about him anymore. Because even if Foles is better, he's a known commodity, right? Okay, so he's he's going to be a decent guy that's going to be a not spectacular but not terrible game manager that's going to make this offense at least be able to move down the field a little bit. Fine, but he, he's not going to turn them into an elite, elite team. Right, it's not going to be that defense and a really good quarterback. And again, the, the real benefit here is the fact that they're going to probably win a, a decent chunk of games because of Foles and, and the continued ascension of this defense. I shouldn't say ascension, continued good play. And so they're probably not going to be getting any great quarterbacks, and that makes me happy. They might get a quarterback. They might get like Trey Lance or something. I don't know. But they're not getting one of the top ones. But uh, finally, the uh, the big trade, Jamal Adams to the Seattle Seahawks. They gave up two firsts and a third, I think, got back a fourth, something to that effect. I don't know. Also, the uh, Seahawks also gave up a player. I mean, th- this is this is pretty straightforward. And there's a lot of people saying, well, they're they're not good at drafting anyway, so free agency is probably a better path for them. Free agency is a better path for everyone. This is the problem I have with that argument, that the argument that everybody makes when, when free agency comes up, right? It's very simple. It happens with the Packers, too. There's a superstar. Packer fans say, we should go out and pay for that superstar. Other Packer fans say something to the effect of, I don't know, that's too much. I don't want to give up a first for the guy, or a second, or whatever. And then the Packer fan replies with what? Because you've heard it a thousand times. Do you really think you're going to get a player that good with your first-round pick anyways? Why not get a known commodity, right? If, if you got a guy that's a a good value with a first-round pick, why not just take the guaranteed thing? It's a very simple reason. You can't sustain that. I mean, forget the the fact that you don't actually know, because several times people pay tons of money to go out and get these guys, and they end up busting completely. Despite being very good football players for a very long time, they're just useless. I mean, Jimmy Graham, he obviously wasn't as good for Seattle, but he was still good. I mean, he like led the league in touchdowns. We paid the man $10 million a year. He comes over here and does nothing. There's no guarantees, but forget that. Even if there were guarantees, you cannot sustain that. I mean, think about it from this perspective. The salary cap counts the top 51 players, right? The salary cap for next year is $175 million. 175 divided by 51 players is an average of $3.4 million. Your average football player has to cost $3.4 million. And it gets worse than that. If, if we just take the top five guys, the top five superstars, and subtract that, Aaron Rodgers, 36, and I'm just rounding, Zedarius, 20, Devontae, 16.6, Preston, 16, Adrian Amos, 10, you're left with $76.4 million. If you divide that out over the remaining 46 players, the average salary of, the, of, of everybody that isn't the top five player is $1.6 million. Look at what the Packers... Uh, roster is comprised of at the bottom of the roster guys that are making money in the top 51 782 or let's see just under a million one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen sixty 
29 people. 29 guys are making less than a million dollars. There are an additional eight players currently making less than $2 million. You've got five more people making less than $5 million. That only leaves nine players. There's only nine players making more than $5 million a year. You can't go around throwing away first-round picks and paying guys. I mean, what's he going to want in his contract? Oh, that's a great deal. He's still on his rookie contract. Do you understand how much trouble they're in next year? When the salary cap goes down and you try to come to Jamal comes to you and says, I want a bigger contract. And he says, okay, but but here's the deal. I mean, everybody's getting paid a little bit less with coronavirus. You know, there's less money to go around. So the salary cap isn't actually going up. Jamal's going to stand there, him and his agent with their arms crossed saying, this is what I want. I want to be the highest paid safety. I don't care about coronavirus. I want it. What are they going to do? They're going to say, no, you just gave away two first round picks. Jamal can sit there and say, you know what, somebody's got the money. The Colts have the money. They can pay me. The Bengals have the money. I'll go to Cincinnati. If they're willing to give me that money, I'll go there. Now, they do. They can't exercise his, his uh, fifth-year option, which is $10 million. Again, the Packers only have five players on the entire 51-man roster, or 53, that are making $10 million or more, with Adrian right at 10. You can't build a roster that way. You have to build a roster through the draft. And you cannot, especially when you have a ton of holes. Listen, if you're the if you're the Saints and you're right there, or you're the, the, the Chiefs or whoever, not even the Chiefs, because I think they have a bunch of holes too. But if, if you're right there and you've got a solid roster, the Baltimore Ravens, even the Tennessee Titans have a pretty well-rounded roster. They don't have a billion holes everywhere. And you want to just throw a chunk of money. You've got a, a chunk just sitting there, and you want to throw a chunk of money at it, fine. But if you're the Seattle Seahawks, and you have been declining for years, and you're trying to right this ship because you are just sinking, and you give away a bunch of draft picks for just one giant player, you're, you're going to fail. You need to be able to draft well. Well, they don't draft well. It doesn't matter. You have to. You have to. Either draft well, or you're done. And you just gave up. You just gave away your your couple first-round picks. Now, it's not to say you can't get lucky and draft a bunch of studs in the second, third, fourth, fifth. I mean, that's basically what they did to build this franchise to begin with. They hit on not only the first round, but the second, third, fourth. They just destroyed a draft, and it built them for years. Destroyed in a good way. Schneider just annihilated, like, two drafts in a row, one in particular, and it just set him up for years and years of success. But he's done nothing since. And if he's going to be successful again, he's going to have to hit on another draft. I mean, this is the equivalent of being on a stranded island, and you have $10, and there's two places, right? Or or you're about to be shipped off to an island. One place sells seeds for $10. One place sells a steak for $10. Now, you're about to be shipped off on an island. What do you think you need? If you're going to be out there a while, you should probably get the seeds. Granted, it takes a long time to plant and grow and whatever, but forget it. The analogy isn't perfect. Sustained success is with that. And it's kind of like saying, well, I'm not a very good farmer anyway, so I might as well just get the steak. No! You get the seeds and figure it out, or you die. That's it. Buying the steak is giving up. Buying the steak is saying, I'm going to die anyways, I might as well enjoy a steak. That's what Seattle's doing. We're, we're doomed anyways. This thing is, is going to sink. Let's take one more big swing at this Super Bowl while we can, and then we're done. Jamal Adams doesn't fix your terrible offensive line, doesn't give you a tight end. He's not a guard, he's not a center, he's not a tackle, he's not a tight end, he's not a defensive tackle, he's not an edge rusher, he's not a linebacker, he's not a corner. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're getting worse every single year. And yeah, this is the first time you've gotten a stud in a long time. And now you've just guaranteed it's the last one you're going to get. And you have to figure out how to pay this guy, because next year he's going to come to you and say, I want a lot of money. 
and you say, well, we're going to exercise your fifth-year option, he might just say, no, I'm not playing on that. I would like a contract, please, and thank you very much. And he has all the leverage in the world because Schneider gave away two first-round picks, a starting safety, and a third-round pick. He's going to do whatever Jamal Williams or Jamal Adams says. He doesn't have a choice. It's not up to him. Jamal Adams and his agent own the Seattle Seahawks. And so, yeah, again, short-term, are they going to be better in 2020? Of course, they're going to be a lot better. A lot better. And there's a lot of people that are going to watch Jamal Adams absolutely tear up the league and say, See, where's all where's all the haters now? Where are you at, Pack Daddy? Thought you said this was dumb. You know what I never said is that he wasn't going to help the team. What I said is that this is suicide. And it is. And as somebody who's not a real big Seahawks fan, I don't necessarily hate to see it. But it is upsetting for guys like Russell Wilson, who have done everything they can to keep this thing afloat. It should have sunk a long time ago. If there was a lesser quarterback there, this thing would have been just well underwater by now. I hope Schneider never gets fired. I, I just It's just incredible. Incredible. This is not the team that should have traded for... The Packers would have been a better team. They don't even need a safety, but it would have been a better team. I, t- I, we, I did an episode on how that would work. You've got your two deep safeties and you got your box safety. And you can rotate them however you want. Jamal probably more often than not would be in the box, but it would have been a better move because they, they don't have as many needs. Now, the Packers would never do that. They're not giving up first-round picks for him. They value picks too much, as they should. I'm just saying they're in a better position. They don't have nearly as bad of an offensive line. They're not as bad off at tight end. They're not. I mean, they have two, three edge rushers. The Seattle Seahawks have zero. They've got Kenny Clark. The Seattle Seahawks have no defensive tackle. The, the, I mean, Seattle does have one decent linebacker, out, unless you think the one that they drafted in the first round is going to be good, and he's not. I shouldn't say that definitively, but Jordan Brooks is just, I don't get it. But Wagner's getting old, and he's the only guy they got. He's already in his 30s. You've got one good corner. You paid a bunch of money to another corner who's involved in all kinds of illegal activities. Probably ain't going to be seeing him anytime soon. So you got one corner and nothing. Packers are much better off at corner, at safety. Maybe not linebacker, but defensive tackle, edge. I just, I just don't get it. And it, it probably would, I mean, I would be upset if the Packers did this deal, and I wanted Jamal. But two first-round picks? No way! Unless you 100% guaranteed me a Super Bowl, I'm not doing that. And even so, it's it's you're getting a Super Bowl this year, and then you're going to struggle for a while. Because we know Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be around for long. And a lot of our talent is getting older. And if we're going to move on from Aaron Rodgers in the next two to three years, we're going to need to be able to have a bunch of draft picks to supplement and, and build. And I mean, in three years, uh, Devontae is going to be, what, 31? In the 2023 season, I, I mean, it's just, it's just it's just a bad move. Credit to the Jets. Well done. I don't know if they're going to be able to do anything with those picks. I have no idea. But that doesn't really matter, right? Again, it's, it's the exact same argument in reverse. Well, they're not good anyways. It doesn't matter. If you're going to succeed, it's going to be through the draft. You supplement here and there in free agency, and it can help you. As long as you manage the cap wisely and you don't overspend at any one position or whatever, you know, you look at Zedarius. You can do it once in a while, but it's only a once in a while kind of thing, and you better hit on it. Otherwise, it's really going to hurt you like Jimmy did. It's going to hinder your ability to do other things. But you build a team through the draft. There's, there's no two ways around. I mean, you, you have to build a team through free agency, through with undrafted free agents. I mean, you, you can't even just do draft picks, number one, because there's not enough picks. Number two, because even those guys are too expensive. A first-round pick costs, what, five, six million bucks, depending on where you draft them? I mean, Jordan Love was back of the first round where he's costing us $2.8 million just this year. Rashawn Gary's up to 4.3. Jair's at f- about $4 bucks. Darnell Savage is 3.4. Elton Jenkins is 
AJ Dillon is over a million bucks. So so you have to get late round guys. You have to get undrafted free agents, and these guys have to perform. MVS, Kingsley Kiki, Kadar Holman, Dexter Williams, EQ, Ty Summers, Curtis Bolton, Kamal Martin, you know Vernon Scott, Stepaniak, all the guys that we just drafted. These guys got to step up. These are the guys you have to rely on because this comprises more than 50% of your roster. That's why you can't survive through free agency. Even if it's just five, six million dollar guys, well, they're not that. You don't have to go out and get 15 million dollar guys every time. You can get two, three, four million dollar guys. Again, in 2021, right now, there's only 14 guys over two million dollars scheduled to get over two million in 2021. That's it. And some, there's probably going to be more because we're going to re-sign some people or whatever. But it's such a small frat. We we act like two million isn't that much compared to the entire roster. You're in the upper echelon. If you're in the millions. You're in the upper echelon. It's not a sustainable strategy. You just can't do that. But anyways, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Monday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.